their favorite in all the Bible. Uh, if that's you today, raise your hand. I know Sean told me that, Sister Sandy. There were some others. Chris had mentioned to me that was one of his tops. Um, let me put you on the spot. I know we don't normally do this on Sunday nights much, but why? Why would you say the book of Ecclesiastes is one of your favorites in all of the Word of God? Sandy? Amen. The Lord gives the purpose. You know, I've thought about this this past week in my lesson. I know my ancestors back to my grandparents. But I had a great-grandfather and a great-great-grandfather and a great-great-great-grandfather and on and on. And I don't know anything about them. That's sad to me. But it, it lends credence to the idea that the cycles of life come and go. And, you know, the problems that my great-great-grandfather that I never met are the same ones that I struggle with today. And I hope someday I'll get to know them a lot better in heaven. I hope they had an opportunity to trust the Lord and, and began that heritage. But uh, I thought more and more about that. I thought how sad that just a couple of generations from now, if the Lord doesn't come, I'll be forgotten. And that's all right. It's not about me building a name for myself. It's about you know, us reflecting our Lord and Savior while we're here on this earth and living according to life above the sunshine. Amen. But it is so, nonetheless, intoxicating. We want to be the ones that prove all this wrong, that we can do this, that we can find meaning in it. And um, again, so often we end up pursuing meaningless things and we come up empty. And uh, so the word of God is true. I said it this morning. These are the very words of God that we hold in our hands, that you have on your lap this morning, this evening. And... um, This is what God had for us to share, and um, we don't have to keep relearning the same lessons over and over again that have been put there for us. We can take it to heart and use it. Chris, anything you would share? Amen. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. Well, just a quick review of this morning. First off, open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes 12. And I just want to review this verse that we started out with this morning because, again, it's such a great summary verse. You know, the man, as Sean mentioned, that had everything, all the wisdom, had everything that his mind could possibly, his heart could possibly have pursued. He had the, the ability to do that, whether it be the wisdom or the power or the prestige or women or Um, And as we'll see in chapter 2, anything that he saw, he went after to see. Maybe the answer lies there. But as as this book comes to a conclusion, he says, "Let, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Let's pray. Father, thank you for 
the opportunity to open up your word. Thank you that you have preserved it for us throughout all eternity and that we have a copy of it today and that we can uh, see what you wrote to us, uh, your love letter to us, to know how to live a life that's pleasing to you, a life that's above the sun. And so, Father, help us to, uh, to let go of some of the vain pursuits that we have given ourselves over to, things that in the end are ultimately meaningless, but let, help us to, as believers here tonight to live a life that's honoring and pleasing to you, a life that is designed and, and with a desire to glorify you. And, uh, Lord, help us to do this again, that the, the cause of Christ throughout this world would be advanced, and that uh, even though we come and go, that uh, the name of the Lord goes on forever. And so, Lord, help us to invest our lives in that. Father, we love you. Ask your blessing upon our time together this evening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So this morning I had had two points with a number of applications. Uh, The first was, under the sun, the cycles of life lead to futility. Under the sun, the cycles of life lead to futility. And then under the sun, human wisdom and knowledge lead to futility. We looked at that phrase vanity, or the word vanity, and the phrase vanity of vanities, and I made mention of that oftentimes we think of vanity today in the context of someone being proud or conceited or thinking more highly of themselves than really what the reality is. But we said in the meaning of the context here in, a, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the word means meaningless. When Paul says all is vanity, or when, when Solomon said all is vanity, he's simply saying it's meaningless, it's futile. It's like chasing or grasping after the wind. And then we looked at that phrase, under the sun. It was the phrase that appears 29 times in this book. And under the sun means looking at things from a purely human perspective, not taking God into account. And when we live our lives under the sun, purely from a human perspective, no matter what we pursue, it's going to come up empty. It's going to come up wanting. You're going to end up saying, there's got to be more to it than this. This did not satisfy. This did not fulfill me. I need something more. And the reality of that, life under the sun, that is a conclusion that you will come up to every single time. But as believers, we're not challenged to live under the sun. We're challenged to live above the sun, a life that is fully devoted, uh, being lived under uh, the design that God put us there for. We don't live unto ourselves. We live unto him, and we want to glorify the Lord with our lives. That's the only way life makes sense when we do it according to how God designed. And so the applications that we looked at this morning, purpose to glorify your creator with your life. Why are you here on this earth? If someone were to ask you that tomorrow, what's the, what's the meaning of it all? What's the purpose of it all? I think we all should be able to confidently say, I have been put on this earth to glorify my creator. And that's a great way for us to lead in to be able to share with someone what that really means and how we do that. But it's not all about us. It's about us glorifying our creator. That's our purpose. Secondly, we said invest your life in that which is eternal. That's a choice that we have to make. We can choose to invest in which is, that which is temporal, or we can choose to invest in that which is temporal or eternal. We looked at uh, Jim Elliott, and that just as an example, many people are familiar with him, and um, the investment he made in trying to reach people who had never heard of Jesus before. It cost him his life, but in the end it still was a glorious investment for him to have made. So invest your life in that which is eternal. And then finally, set your mind on things above the sun. As believers, we are called to live above the sun, doing life the way God designed and God intended us to live it in such a way that brings glory and honor to him. And so this this evening, we want to continue into the second chapter of Ecclesiastes and look at more that Paul has to share with, or Paul, keep saying Paul, 
Solomon has to share with us here. I've been reading in my devotional a lot of the Apostle Paul of late, and it just kind of gets stuck there. So let's look at the, this uh, chapter 2 and see what the Word of God says. Verse 1 says, I said in mine heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting my heart with wisdom, to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the, under the heaven all the days of their life. I made me great works, I builded me houses, I planted me vineyards, I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them all of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens. I had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and peculiar treasures of kings and provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great, and I increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked at all the works that my hands had wrought, and all the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all of it was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. And I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly. For what can man do that come after the king? Can what, what can the man do that come after the king? Even that which hath been already done. And then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly, as far as light excelleth darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his, are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. Then said I in my heart, As it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart, This is also, this, that this also is vanity. For there is no remembrance of the wise men more than that of the fool forever, seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten. And how dieth the wise man as the fool? Verse 17, therefore, I hated life. Because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Yea, I hated all my labor, which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto another man that shall be after me. And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he have rule over all my labor wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. Therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity. Yet to a man that hath not labored, therein shall he leave it for his portion. This also is vanity and of great evil. For why hath man of all his labor and the vexation of his heart wherein he hath labored under the sun. For all his days are sorrows and his travail grief. Yea, his heart taketh uh, not rest in the night. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a man than he should eat and drink. And he should 
make his soul enjoy good of his labor. This also I saw, that it was from the hand of God. For who can eat, who also can hasten whereunto more than I? For God giveth to, to a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner he giveth travail, to gather and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. So again, kind of like as we read chapter 1 this morning, and I know there, there's a lot there, but uh, it almost seems depressing to read that. Uh, all the things that, that he gave his heart over to and things that he pursued to try and find meaning and sense of life and purpose and joy and lasting peace and happiness, every single one of those things, he came up empty and said, vanity. It's all vanity of vanities. So let's look at some of those pursuits in a little more detail. Verse 1, he says, I will prove thee with mirth, meaning exceeding pleasure. Uh, therefore, enjoy pleasure. So I said, I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. And behold, this also is vanity. That also was meaningless. The answer wasn't found in pleasure. Verse 2, he says, I said of laughter, it is mad. So it's foolish. It's the same for mirth, for pleasure. What doeth it? Uh, essentially, it doesn't accomplish anything of lasting value. Uh, even pursued to excess, which, again, Solomon had the capability of doing that, and he did that, but he still concluded it remains meaningless. Verse 3, he says, uh, I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine. Certainly, maybe if I drink a little, maybe if I uh, chase the, the bad feelings away with wine and I start to feel good because of uh, the drinking of wine, maybe that will be the answer. So he acquainted his heart uh, with wine. He still had the wisdom that God had given him. And uh, he says in verse 3, um, again, ultimately, that was still meaningless. When all was said and done, Solomon said he found no satisfaction in anything that he tried to do to stimulate his, his body, to, to gratify uh, the desires that he had. The use of laughter, the use of wine, it may have extended some moments of pleasure that he enjoyed for a season, but at the end, it was still meaningless. It was not lasting, and it left him wanting. Well, what about wealth? Wouldn't plenty of money and possessions make life worth living? We could have whatever we desired. We can have you know, the biggest house, the nicest cars, the biggest bank account, all of the, the vacation homes, all of the vacations that we'd wanted to go on. I mean, anything and everything that we could desire, maybe that's where the answer lies. And, and Solomon certainly had unlimited resources, much like we do not have to pursue this. But Solomon had the ability to kind of take this to the ultimate end because of his resources to see if this is what was the answer. So in verse 4, I made me great works. Building me houses, planted vineyards, and made me gardens and orchards, planted trees, and had all kinds of fruits. I mean, every type of fruit tree you can imagine, great house, great orchards, all these sort of things. Uh, Solomon did. He said, I made pools of water to water there with the wood that bringeth forth trees. So I, I uh, made a way to make sure these things were cared for and they could thrive. Um, not only that, he went on and said, I, verse 7, I got me servants and maidens 
had servants born in my house, also had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I mean, so not only all that, but the possessions, the cattle, the livestock, everything they had, no one had more than, than Solomon had. No one before him had ever had more. And so he got all those things, servants and maidens, and those to you know, care for his every need, every whim, all the possessions. Not only that, verse 8 says, I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasures of kings of the provinces. And so again, he gathered all this stuff together. This has to be the answer. If I get enough of it, then certainly I'll be happy. I'll be satisfied. I'll find meaning and purpose. Well, that wasn't enough. He said, I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men and musical, as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So he gathered all these people around him. And uh, they were part of his possessions that he was gathering to try and find meaning and try and find purpose. Verse 9, he concludes, so I was great. I had great possessions. Again, none paralleled where I was with this. I increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem, and my wisdom remained with me. And uh, he says, whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not any uh, from my heart any joy, for my heart rejoiced in my labor, and this was my portion of all my, of all my labor. And so he looked around, verse 11, then I looked at all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Boy, that's sad, isn't it? To gather all those things. I mean, imagine the work and the resources that were spent to accomplish. Maybe the answer lies in these things when he could have been doing something else. He could have been investing his life in that which is eternal. But as he, it's almost as if he started some grand experiment to see, let me try this. And if that doesn't work, let me try this. And let me add this to it and this to it and this to it. And uh, he had the ability, again, with the resources to, to do all of that. But as he pursued this experiment, experiment, so to speak, everything just kept saying, no, that's not it. That's not it. I still want more. I'm still empty. This is still vanity. This is still meaningless. This doesn't bring joy. This doesn't bring lasting satisfaction. So in the long run, what difference does all this really make? Under the sun, uh, we see, as we looked here in chapter 2, the fool dies and the wise man dies. Their fate under the sun is ultimately the same. So in verse 15, Solomon said, Then I said in my heart, as it happened to the fool, so it happened even to me. And why was I uh, then more wise? Then I said in my heart, this also is vanity. Life under the sun Pleasure and wealth lead to futility. When we pursue pleasure and wealth under the sun, it all leads to futility. After death, the wise person may be remembered a little bit longer, maybe a little better than the fool, but in the end, they're both forgotten, as we read tonight. So what difference does it make whether a person living under the sun is a wise man or a foolish man? The reality is that life is meaningless under the sun, and Solomon concludes that. 
verse 16, it says, For there is no remembrance of the wise more than the fool, seeing that which is now... uh, seeing that which now is in the days shall come, shall be forgotten, and how dieth the wise man as the fool. And so Solomon concludes in verse 7, Therefore, I hated life. So point number four, under the sun, life and labor lead to futility. Under the sun, life and labor lead to futility. All the things that he had done, all the stuff that he had worked on, everything that he had given himself over to didn't, answer that search that he was trying to find the answer to and so therefore he concluded he hated life because the work under the sun is grievous unto me it's vanity vexation of spirit it's meaningless it's like grasping after the wind that I just cannot grab a hold of verse 18 goes on to says yeah I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun because I should leave it under the man unto the man that shall be after me Did you ever think about that? All the stuff that you've worked on eventually is going to be passed on to someone else? I mean, I think it's a good thing to want to leave a good inheritance for those that we love and care for. But we can't take anything that we, uh, at least the temporal things that we uh, accumulate on this earth with us. And uh, if that's the answer that we're we're trying to pursue to, to find meaning and purpose, again, we will just come up empty. Solomon realized that. All these amazing things that he had assembled together he realized at some point he would breathe his last breath and it'd all be gone, at least for him. Someone else would come after him. Would it be a wise person? Would it be a foolish person? But ultimately, it didn't even really matter because if they're living under the sun, their fate is going to be the same, whether they're wise or they're foolish. Verse 19, And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he have rule over all my labor, wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. So he may be a foolish man, he may be a wise man, but ultimately in the end it's meaningless, it's vanity. Verse 20, therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. Again, it it led him into a period of depression. You know, I've I've wasted so much time pursuing these sort of things, and it's so meaningless, and it led to despair. Verse 21, he says, for there is a man whose labor is wisdom, and in knowledge, and in equity, Yet to a man that hath not labored therein, shall he leave it for his portion. This also is vanity and a great evil. For what hath man of all his labor and the vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun? For all his days are sorrow and his his travail grief, grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest at night. This also is vanity. And so in verse 24, he says, There is nothing better for a man than he should eat and drink, and he should make his soul enjoy good for his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of the Lord. So under the sun, life and labor lead to futility. You may be a wise man, and you think, and because of that I'm better off than a foolish man, but if you are living under the sun, again, living a life without taking God into account, without living for the Lord, without offering your life back to him as a living sacrifice, no matter what you do, you'll come up empty. So the answer is not in houses, it's not in wealth, it's not in in, uh, putting people around you, it's not in possessions and all those sort of things. It's not in in becoming a wise man, pursuing endless numbers of degrees and gaining knowledge. If all that's done under the sun, uh, you'll come up wanting every single time, just as Solomon did. So life under the sun 
leads to life and labor then lead to futility. Look at uh, Luke chapter 12 in your Bibles. Luke chapter 12. I think if we're logical, if we look at how Solomon concluded this experiment, we'll come to the conclusion that he came to where he said, I, therefore I hated life. I think that's why so many people are depressed today that uh, even end up taking their lives or contemplate taking their lives because they've done everything they know to do and everything just comes up empty. And uh, certainly that was a conclusion that Solomon came up with. There's no guarantee that all the hard work that you give yourself over to will bring about better health, longer life, peace of mind. Many of us are familiar with this story, this uh, parable that Jesus told in uh, Luke chapter 12 and verse 16. There was a man who had great, great uh, um, possessions, and he's wondering how he's going to move forward in life. And so in verse 16 it says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room wherein to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods, laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. You know, we have an entire industry that has blossomed in the last decade or so based on what we read here in these verses. If you you drive down Lorraine Road, you'll see it over and over again. You store, storage facilities. Um, I mean, they're all over the place. People needing additional places to store all of their possessions. And um, this man thought, I have all of these goods, all of this fruit of my harvest, my little barn I have can't hold it all, so I'm just going to tear that barn down, build a bigger barn to put more and more of my possessions in it. And uh, what's the conclusion here? Verse 20, but God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That parable pictures a man who's living life under the sun. And the Lord reminds him in this parable that uh, our life, that's not how our life should be lived. We don't know when we're going to breathe our last breath. It could be tonight for any one of us here. And Jesus reminds here, he says, lay up treasure, not for yourself, but for that which is rich toward God. Uh, Lay up for yourself, yourself treasures in heaven. We looked at that verse this morning. So viewed from under the sun... Uh, Life and labor lead to futility. That's not the answer. That's not the answer to the question that we posed this morning about what's the meaning of it all. So let's look at a couple applications that we can draw from Ecclesiastes, if you turn back there, in chapter 2. Again, I I realize there's a lot here. um, As Solomon is reflecting upon his life in this little experiment of his. But let me challenge you in chapter 2, number one, to embrace a biblical perspective of life and labor. Embrace a biblical perspective of life and labor. A life that is above the sun. That's a perspective that that we need to embrace here. A godly biblical perspective. When we do this, we can enjoy life, and we can find purpose in our work. Um, 
How many here would say, I, I really enjoy work? I really like that. I mean, it's there a few hands. I really like to work. Uh, whether it's my life at the phone company before ministry, uh, I look forward to coming to church every day because I just like to work. I complained about my leaves this morning, and I'm still kind of complaining about them. But I enjoy that. Again, God has given me um, the property at 33085 Furniture Lane that Chris and I have lived there for 33 years, I think. And uh, it's not something that I worship, but God has made me a steward of that, and I want to take care of it. And so I enjoy getting out. And uh, unlike Solomon, I'm, I'm not trying to find purpose or meaning or satisfaction from my possessions, my home, but it's something that God has given me. It's my oasis on this earth to get away from the world. And so I want to take care of it. I enjoy getting out there and, and working in it. And uh, we need to have a biblical perspective of the life that God has given us and the labor that he has given. Uh, labor was given uh, to man before man fell. And so that's something that all of us were given to do before the fall of man, before centered in, sin entered into the picture. And... Um, Look over at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's look at a different perspective here. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17 and 18. The Bible says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. So God does uh, give us fruit of our labor, but uh, we should hold on to that very tightly, or very loosely rather, have a biblical perspective of labor. And I have been encouraged over the years by many of you in this church who God has blessed tremendously, God has blessed materially, but I have seen through example over and over again how uh, many in our church have a biblical perspective of labor when it comes to using the blessing that God has given them. They hold on to it very loosely. They realize that this is not, these are not my possessions. This is not my home. This is not my car. All of this belongs to the Lord. And if someone needs it or has a need and I'm able to, to meet that need, again, I've seen over and over again uh, people let go of that in order to give back to the Lord what really is his to begin with. And that's such a good perspective for us to have and to learn from each other. Not to be jealous when we see the Lord bless someone, because oftentimes he blesses people materially because he knows he's just, they're just a, a conduit. They're just, the Lord's just passing it through them to meet the needs of those within our body, within our, our world, within mission works that, that need to be uh, funded throughout the world. So again, have a biblical perspective Solomon lost sight of that in spite of all the wisdom. It's interesting he says that my wisdom remained with me when all this happened. So certainly he was able to process this, but you could easily argue the pursuit or the experiment or whatever you want to call it that Solomon gave himself to reflected anything but wisdom. It was empty. And uh, a wise person will abandon that and say this is not the answer and turn back to the creator to find the true answer. So have a biblical perspective of life. Like I said, I, I find it odd that I know nothing about my great-grandfather. I don't even know his name. Now, some of you may, may have done genealogy searches, and you could 
go back and name a number of those. Chris has a relative that has done a great job with that. And it's very interesting to read. But I don't even know my great-grandfather's name. I never met him. He had died before I was born. I know nothing about him. And um, again, if the Lord doesn't come back at some point in the future, hopefully it's in this church, my casket will be right down here, and some of you will come by and pay your last respects, and I'll be taken out to a cemetery somewhere in town here and placed underground. And before long, you know, the memory of Steve Williams will be forgotten. But I won't be there, as you all know. I'll be up in heaven with the Lord, rejoicing with him for all eternity. But uh, the point is, it's not about me. It's not about us building a name for ourselves or uh, our heritage. It's about living for the Lord, a life lived to glorify the Savior. That's what we need to set our sights upon. Not about all that we can name we can build for ourselves or all the things that we can accumulate. So embrace a biblical perspective of life and labor. Number two, fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. Ecclesiastes 12, again, this is the verse we started with. Verse 13 says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Finally, Solomon shares some really good wisdom here, right? As he looks back on all the stuff that he had spent his life on, the mistakes that he had made, the sins that he had committed, the times that he had turned his back on God and forgotten about the Lord and worshipped other gods and, and lived for himself under the sun, he acknowledges that that's not how you do it. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. We need to accept that God has given you the life that God has given you, and choose to live it joyfully. And as we saw there at the end of chapter 2, as as Chris mentioned, when we do things the right way, when we live above the sun, we operate as God intended us to operate. It doesn't matter that you have no cattle, that you have no great orchards, that you have no barns full of stuff, that you don't have servants and men singers and musical instruments and any of that sort of stuff. None of that matters because it's all going to disappear. What matters is the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, the fact that our names are written in the book of heaven. In fact, there's a great verse that says, don't rejoice in that you're strong or that you have great wisdom or they have great knowledge, but rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Fear God and keep his commandments. Choose to live in fear of God. That is a choice that we all have to make. And so many things, just like really this con- the idea of Choosing to live a life above the sun is not a once in a lifetime, you know, one and done type choice. You know what I find? It's a choice that we have to make every single day. When I wake up tomorrow morning, am I going to choose to live for myself or am I going to choose to live for the Lord? Am I going to choose to live above the sun or am I going to choose to live below the sun? And many, many years ago, and I've, I know I've shared this before, but someone challenge me to wake every morning with a thought on your mind that just says, Lord, here I am, reporting for orders. What do you have for me to do today? And most mornings, that is a thought that passes through my, my mind when I wake up in the morning. And what that does is it, challenge me, is it challenges me to think, this is not my life. I'm not the one calling the shots here. Uh, I'm, I'm not the one who builds the schedule, so to speak. In fact, many of you know me. I like to work by a schedule. I'm organized, and I, 
I approach life that way. But in my mind, I take that schedule and I say, Lord, this is yours. If you want to change anything on my schedule, uh, I give you liberty to do that. I want to do what you want me to do today. And so, Lord, here I am reporting for orders. There are times I have not done that. And it leads to chasing after the wind, a grasping after the wind, vexation of spirit, because the things I try to pursue, if they're not consistent with what God has for me to pursue, it's just going to be a big mess. So choose to live in the fear of God. And that means honor him. Choose to honor him, to revere him, to serve him. Uh, the path that, that uh, we find ourselves on when we choose to fear God and keep his commandments is a life that leads to lasting purpose, fulfillment, joy, meaning, because we're living life above the sun as God intended us to live it. Uh, would you embrace that idea that God, God knows what's best for us? And that we don't have to figure it all out for ourselves. And uh, do life as God designed us to do from the very beginning. I shared some of my testimony this morning from my previous working world. And I know I've shared this before in times with, with teens. One of the, the prayers I had for my children, and two of my kids are grown and married and on their own now. And I have the same prayer for Abby as well. And many of the teens in, in our churches I've watched them grow up and move into adulthood and so forth uh, our world bombards you with what you need to do in order to be sex- successful in fact if you were to listen to the world many of the things that you find in Ecclesiastes 1 and 2 are the things that the world says you need to be investing your life in committing yourself to that's where you'll find success do what you need to do for you build a name for yourself and, it, and I tell you it's empty but you know and you know that again if you've grown up in this church you know that don't be tempted by the lure to say, let me try to prove this wrong. The Bible says you cannot, prove, you cannot serve God and mammon. Many people, I think, I think set out to, do, to prove that wrong, saying, well, I think I can do that. I can, I can do both. But you cannot have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. It just doesn't work that way. So when the world bombards you with that, that philosophy and you want to fear God, the, the simplest way I've thought of this, and this is the prayer I've had for my children, is that they would see their lives that God has given them, the talents that God has given them, the skills, the abilities, the spiritual gifting that he has given them, and, and come to terms with maybe some of their goals and some of their dreams and some of their desires that God has for, has, or that they have for themselves, and just take all that and lay it on the altar and say, Lord, my life is yours. Whatever you want to do with me, with my life, I offer it back to you as a living sacrifice. And um, can I tell you, and again, you've heard me say this, the plans that God has for you are far better than anything you could ever dream of for yourself. And that is absolutely true. You hear some amens to that from those who have walked life's path. Believe it. God's plans for you are better than anything you could ever dream up for yourself. And that may not be something that is extravagant. It may not be something that is comfortable. It may not be something that is easy, like Solomon was pursuing here, a comfortable bank account, um, plenty of possessions. In fact, it may be something like what God challenged Jim Elliot to do, to go to a jungle place where people never even heard the name of Jesus 
who mistook your desire to share truth with them as an attacking enemy and put them to death. But again, God was in all of that. He had a purpose in that. And so whatever it may be, whether it be something in ministry, whether it be driving a truck, whether it be emptying our dumpster, um, whether it be being a doctor or a teacher or a nurse or a computer technician or you know, all the things that people have done or do in our church, deliver the mail. Um, if, it's, if a life is lived above the sun, you can do any of those things if that's what God's plan for you is, and you can have joy and peace and purpose and fulfillment and know that you're doing exactly what God has led you to do. That as you go off to your place of work tomorrow morning or your school or in your neighborhood, that God has put you there as his representative, his light in the midst of a very crooked and perverse nation, a very dark place where we need to shine brightly and share the truth of uh, what Jesus Christ has done for them. So fear God, keep his commandments. Um, The easy ones as well as the hard ones. And there are some hard commandments that are out there. The ones we like, the ones we don't like. And in doing so, we express to God how much we really do love him. As I said this morning, if you love me, keep my commandments. Not that I can earn God's favor, earn God's blessing. If you think about it, if you're a believer, you have already done that. He has saved you. He has given you an eternal home in heaven. You have his favor, his unmerited favor. That's what grace is. Simply serve, be obedient to his commands as an expression of your love and as your gratitude. Let us hear the whole conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Let me ask you to bow your heads, stand to your feet as Barb comes, as Will comes for our time of invitation. Again, nothing profound about anything I had to say today, whether it be this morning or this evening. These are the words of God that that God used his penman, Solomon, to capture for us to hear. If you're honest with yourself, are you living life under the sun right now? Are you pursuing your goals, your dreams, your desires, what you want? Thinking that, you know, I've heard all this before, but if I just had a little bit more, things would get easier, and I'd be happy. Again, you've probably heard the the quote from John Rockefeller decades ago asked that question to a man who was the richest man in the world at the time. How much is enough? His response, just a little bit more. That does not satisfy. It's empty. It's meaningless. If you're living under the sun, you're not doing life the way God intended you to do it. Would you just first acknowledge that? Lord, I've fallen short of your plan for me. I've tried to do it my way. My way's not working out. And so, Lord, tonight, I come confessing that and asking you for forgiveness, for pursuing my dream. Lord, I want my life to count for something. I want to invest in that which is eternal. I want to do life the way you intended it to be done. So help me let go of these pursuits and simply lay my life on the altar and acknowledge the truth of the matter that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that your life is his. What? Know you not that you're, you're bought with a price? 
Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Maybe you've done that before. Let me remind you, that's not a one and done type commitment. It's an everyday thing. Lord, my life is yours. What would you have for me to do today? Lord, I want to glorify you with my life. I want to live above the sun. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather here in your place this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that brings it to life in our lives. And uh, Lord, whatever you're doing in each individual heart, mine included here, may we simply be obedient and say, yes, sir. Yes, master, to whatever it is you're leading us to do. Father, help our lives to count for something. Not that we build a name for ourselves, but we advance the cause of Christ. We do the job that you've given us to do. We fulfill the purpose that you've created us to fulfill by bringing glory to your name and advancing the cause of Christ in a world that so desperately needs it. Father, there's nothing we acknowledge, I acknowledge there's nothing better than living life the way you designed it to be lived. And Lord, help me to do this on a daily basis, to die to self and to give my life over to you. And I pray that for all my dear brothers and sisters here this evening that I love so much. May your will be accomplished in this time of invitation, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Brother Will.